Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Atlanta Man Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we have a good amount to talk about. Uh, The headliner coming out of the weekend was the Atlanta Falcons going into New Orleans and defeating the Saints. Uh, We'll also be talking about the Hawks and their pretty rough week that they had. And uh, we'll also um, talk about a little college football, probably like the whole grand scheme of the college football world because there's just not a ton going on uh, just in the state of Georgia alone right now. Um, Just kind of the same old, same old every week for both of the Power 5 teams in Georgia. Uh, But first, we'll start off with the Falcons. Um, It was Saints week. Um, I know a lot of with it, with the past uh, within the past few weeks with um, the Braves going on their run, the Hawks and the Falcons and college football has really got lost on this podcast, and um, it's for good reason, honestly, because the Braves um, won the World Series. But we'll definitely be getting um, into that a lot more now. Um, we, we were doing it before before the playoffs and all that for the Braves, but you know this could be like the main focus of the podcast now that the Braves are up. We'll step. We'll definitely still have some Braves talk when. Um, some news comes across, uh, so hopefully, you know, like some Freddie Freeman news. But yeah, for for a little, for a good bit in this off season, it's going to be um, mainly the Falcons and the Hawks. Now that the Braves are off, it was kind of the same way when the Hawks were in the playoffs. Braves just took a back seat because they're in the regular season. Hawks and Falcons are in the back seat now that the Braves are in the playoffs, and since that's over. It's going to be a lot of that from now on. So we'll start off with this game: Falcons and Saints. Um, didn't get to preview it or anything. I talk about it a lot during during last week, but obviously it's a huge game. Uh, the big news coming into the game was that Jameis Winston was not going to play in this game. He tore his ACL last week against the Pan- or the the Buccaneers rather, so he was out. I mean, Trevor Simeon started quarterback for the Saints. Um, Falcons obviously are going to be without Calvin Ridley in this game. Um, so yeah, each team kind of had. Uh, Really, one of their their best players out for this one. Uh, you could argue which one, um, you know, which one affected the team more, Ridley or Winston. I'm not, I couldn't really tell you, but um, yeah, we'll get into what what transpired in this one. Uh, the Falcons actually struck first in this game um, in the first quarter. Young Hui Ku uh, with a with a field goal to make it three nothing, and then right at the end of the second quarter, um, Lamade Zacchaeus caught his first touchdown of the day. Uh, to make it ten to nothing right at halftime, so the the Falcons led ten to nothing at halftime, and um, they obviously played very well in the first half defensively, especially. You know the defense was rolling; um, they were getting stops. Um, the only really problem within the defense was the run defense, and um, they were kind of getting burned at times by Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. But you know they did a really good job of containing Trevor Simeon. I know that probably isn't the most difficult thing to do because uh, the Saints' pass game is just not going to be that potent. Um, especially without Jameis and their weapons, um, like their wide receiver weapons and pass catching weapons, just aren't really there right now. And um, no, Jameis really a, a, like a really diminishes them even more. No disrespect to Trevor Simeon, but he's not Jameis. Um, so yeah, but the only thing that the Saints really had cooking in the first half was the run. And um, you know, even, even though it was going, they still scored no points in the first half. So yeah, we'll move on to the third quarter. Not a ton going on here. Um, Saints get a field goal to make it ten to three, and then with five minutes left, Matt Ryan, Matty Wheels, with a little one-yard touchdown run to cap off a nice drive to make it seventeen to three. And yeah, so the Falcons just kind of kept on rolling in the third quarter. The defense held up. They added another touchdown, just kind of rolling. And you know we've seen the Falcons roll before and kind of uh, 
let things slip away, and they did let it slip away, but then they caught it at the last second in this fourth quarter, I guess you could say. Uh, the Saints scored 22 points in the fourth quarter, which um, is pretty jarring considering they scored three in the first three quarters and then turn around and let them score 22 times, not 22 times, but 22 points in the fourth. It's just, uh, that's just not good. The Falcons also scored 10 in the fourth, which is their most for any quarter, but, you know, it was just not. This game, when it got to the fourth quarter, it was turning into one of the, uh, an epic meltdown of the Falcons. So we'll get into, like, what happened. Um, the Saints started off the fourth with a field goal to make it 17-6, to so whatever. It's fine, and it became even more fine because the Falcons turned around, went on a drive, and scored another touchdown to make it 24-6. Alameda Zacchaeus got his second touchdown catch of the game, and with 10 minutes and 39 seconds left, the Falcons led 24-6. And for a while there, this was the last good thing that happened for the Falcons, and it looked like it might have been the last good thing for the entire game. Um, but it wasn't. We'll get into that later. But, uh, yeah, with 7.57 left in the game, Marquez Callaway catches a five-yard touchdown to make it 24-13. to And so it's like, all right, whatever. They finally got a touchdown, whatever, whatever. But, nope, Falcons offense does nothing. Saints get the ball back. Kamara, two-yard touchdown rush. They go for two to try to make it a, a field goal game. They don't get it. So it's just 24-19. Then the Falcons go three and out and get the ball right back to the Saints. And they go right down and score after uh, the, they give up a pretty large return on the punt. So the Saints were set up a good field position. And uh, Kenny Stills catches an eight-yard touchdown pass uh, to make it 25-24. to They go for two again to make it a field goal game, and they don't get it. So the score remains at 25-24. to And, you know, at this point, there's a minute left in the game. Uh, the one upside was that the the Saints left time on the clock, and um, but like the way this game was going, like the fact that the Falcons were even in this situation was just ridiculous. Um, I think Arthur Smith had a pretty rough game play calling wise. Um, and yeah, he really got bailed out by Matt Ryan and Cordero Patterson here at the end. So yeah, we'll go we'll go into this final game winning drive play for play, and there's really only, you know, like one ish big play. Yeah, one or I guess you could say this field goal is a big play. But yeah. Uh first and ten on their own twenty-five. Um one minute left. They're down by a point, so you gotta get down to field goal range for the win. And they do that immediately. Uh Matt Ryan drops a deep pass down the right right sideline to Cordero Patterson, catches in stride. It's a sixty-four yard gain. Um it's thirty-six yards after the catch. The pass was twenty-eight yards in the air. A dot right to Cordero Patterson, who was awesome again in this game. We'll get into his numbers in a minute. But that put the ball all the way down to the New Orleans 11-yard line. And um, then another then, – and then things get very falcony on the first and 10 play after that. So ball at the New Orleans 11. They just – they're right now they're just trying to milk clock and just set up Koo right down the middle for a field goal. So they hand it off to Mike Davis – and he fumbles on the 11-yard line when they're not even trying to like make a huge gain. He gets two yards after the Falcons recover it, but almost just costs them the game right there by fumbling it on first and 10 when you're really just trying to bleed clock. And Mike Davis just kind of, he didn't have two hands on or two arms around the ball, rather. And he, yeah, he just got kind of got knocked loose by um, Marcus Davenport. Uh, but Falcons recovered it at the New Orleans 9. 
and then they just had a knee back-to-back uh, back-to-back -back plays which is a uh, the right decision after what what Mike Davis just did and the setup coup for the 29 yarder he nails it and for the third time this year actually young way coup has a walk-off field goal and the Falcons win 27 to 25 um, yeah just a pretty insane like little drive just such a kind of preposterous ending to this game I mean the Falcons just full-on collapsed um, couldn't do nothing on offense and then all of a sudden backs against the wall you know, they they have the huge 64-yard gain to Patterson, and then Mike Davis tries to give the Saints the win. It, it's just a, uh, just a very odd way to end this game, but um, I'll take it, you know, because this is this is the Falcons game that they lose usually. You know, they, they have the full-blown collapse, and they don't come back. You know, sometimes they have the opportunities to, to prevent the full-blown collapse and uh, make things right by coming back and winning it, and they don't usually do that, but they did that today. And it was a huge win, I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, the Falcons still aren't, like, you know, in the playoffs or anything or in the playoff picture. They're in the hunt right now. They're 4-4 four and four after this win. But, you know, like, they're they're definitely in the hunt for a wild card. I mean, let's just be honest. They're 4-4. Four and four. You can debate on how good they are, but they're 4-4. Four and four. They just beat the Saints on the road. Um, this is definitely, um, like, a game you can carry a momentum with. They go and play the Cowboys next week, who, which the Cowboys are good. But the Cowboys just got destroyed on Sunday, so I just um, I just don't know how good they are. So that could definitely be a winnable game. But yeah, I mean the fact like the fact that that they were able to come back and go on that game-winning drive, it's very impressive. So I mean I, I know it's not impressive of them just absolutely crapping all over themselves and blowing the 24 to 6 lead within like six minutes of game time i know that's not impressive but most of the time they just kind of fall over and die after these things happen and they didn't and um you know maybe that is some some resemblance of changing of the guard here in atlanta because you know under mike smith and dan quinn when these things happen they just kind of fell over and died and um, i mean i'm not trying to give arthur smith credit here because he coached a bad game in my opinion but you know, it's it's different that we actually won. It's it was I was like honestly pleasantly surprised that they didn't do that. So yeah, um, they got the Cowboys next week. Who the Cowboys are good. They just got stomped in by the Broncos at home, which is just very odd. Um, they're six and two. They're going to be pretty heavy favorites. I don't know if the odds are out now. Um, let's see. They have yeah, odds are out for this one, and the Cowboys are favored by nine. Uh, it's in Jerry World, so but um, you know I think the Falcons might be like a sexy plus nine in that game, honestly, because they're coming in with a little bit of momentum after being the Saints, and um, yeah, the Cowboys are just coming in after just getting Goomba stomped by a mediocre Broncos team. So yeah, definitely an interesting matchup next week. But before before we get deep into that, let's go over the stats in this game and uh, who played well, who didn't. Um, we'll start out with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan um, was awesome again. Um, probably had the best quarterback performance of the entire day in the NFL yesterday. Uh, I think I saw the he had the highest QBR in the entire league in yesterday's game right, right in front of Justin Herbert. Um, so, yeah, he went 23-13, um, 343 yards, um, 11.4 average yards per completion, and he had two touchdowns, no interceptions. Like I said, for a QBR of 93.8, he was excellent yesterday. Uh, we'll move on to the running game now, which was far from excellent. The running game was absolutely terrible yesterday. 
even like Cordero Patterson, who has done not, no wrong all year, was pretty rough. Um, he went nine carries for 10 yards, and Mike Davis went nine carries for 13 yards. Um, so yeah, the Falcons as a team, 25 carries for 34 rushing yards. That's an average of 1.4 yards per rush. And yeah, they had a long of five yards, which was um, Matt Ryan and Mike Davis tied for five-yard gains, which was the longest of the entire game for the Falcons running the ball, which is just ridiculous. And, I mean, the Saints, their run defense is elite. I'll say that. Um, probably top three, top five at least run defense in the entire league. Um, they are very, very good. And, I mean, the Falcons, like, they're – I mean, they're not built around running the football at all, so it's just not a huge shock that this happened. But it's pretty insane that they did were this bad on the ground and still won this game. They're, and they're this bad on the ground and still could have won this game handily if they just didn't implode, kind of. You know, it's pretty wild that they, were, that they were able to do that. It just kind of shows how well Matt Ryan played and how well some of the receivers were, too. And um, we'll start off with Cordero Patterson. He was awesome again, um, receiving-wise. Six catches, 126 yards. Um, he, had the, he had the huge 64-yard catch um, with less than a minute left in the game. Um, caught all six of his targets, 21 yards per catch. Really good game. Um, I mean, he just continues to be very good and just a Swiss Army knife. He, he wasn't the full Swiss Army knife today because you know he didn't do much running the ball, but he more than made up with it um, receiving wise and really, really is um, kind of filled in the void of Calvin Ridley. Like this is a Calvin Ridley like performance receiving wise, um, and he was very good. Um, Alameda Zacchaeus, um, three targets, caught all three of them, and um, two of them were for touchdowns. So a really good game by Zacchaeus. Uh, Kyle Pitts, um, he had seven targets, only caught three of them, but they were for 62 yards. That's an average of 20.7 yards per catch. So when he was catching them, they were um, for a good chunk, good chunk plays. And um, Russell Gage had seven catches on eight targets for 64 yards. So Russell Gage was very good. Um, Hayden Hurst got a couple of catches. You know, um, Mike Davis got one on the backfield, but that was for nothing. And I forgot to mention that Matt Ryan did have a rushing touchdown in this game to add to his stat line. So yeah, just a pretty, a pretty great game for Matt, um, especially against this really good Saints defense. Um, you know, we, I talk about their run defense, but they, I mean they get their Saints are a solid defense all around. You know, Marshawn Lattimore is a very good DB. They they're just a very good all around defense, and Matt Ryan just had no issues today against them. And um, yeah, he only got sacked twice too. So shout out to the the pass blocking in this game, which was pretty solid. Um, yeah, so. Offense, I mean, like they, they look at the receiving and the passing, they were great, but the rushing, which is not there, and I guess that was kind of the reason the Saints were able to creep back into things here. But yeah, you know, if the if Matt Ryan keeps playing at this level, I mean, the Falcons are going to be in these games, and they're going to be able to win some too. Uh, I don't know if that um, means they're going to beat the Cowboys next week or what, but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they were just really, really good passing-wise in this game. And Matt Ryan was at the forefront of it. And, um, yeah, and a, a big re- it, was, it was a big reason in this game that the Saints were able to come back was Falcons were trying to milk clock um, late in the game. And, like like I said, they had nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, going on, uh, when, on the rushing game. Um, averaging 1.4 yards a carry is not going to do it. And that is not going to be a way to milk clock. you got to get first downs and... You know, they're just kind of running the ball, being conservative, and it resulted in three and outs because the Falcons couldn't put together a first down while running the football. 
And that's how the Saints got back into this game because Arthur Smith was just being super conservative. I'm trying to run the ball, which just wasn't working. It wasn't working at all. And, um, yeah, I mean, all's well that ends well, I guess. But uh, still a pretty frustrating collapse. But I guess it it is like a consolation for collapsing that you're able to come back and rip the Saints' heart out to the last second. So I guess it's a fair trade of, like, the all the pain that was going through my body when they were blowing it um, for them to go back and just rip the Saints' heart out in the last seconds. I guess that's a fair trade. And, um... Yeah, but they don't have to do that every week. If they if they just want to win normally, that's perfectly fine. But um, yeah, we'll look ahead now at the Falcon schedule, um, and it is it's interesting. I'll say that they play some interesting teams who have been really kind of wishy washy this year. Um, next week, like I said, they play the Cowboys. They're not going to be favored in that game at all. Um, yeah, it, 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 but they, I think it's a definitely a winnable game. They could definitely beat the Cowboys. I'm not. I wouldn't pick them to win. But um, I could definitely pick them to cover. Uh, I mean, they, they could definitely be like an underdog pick because um, they, they're coming off a pretty big win in New Orleans. So it's on the road in, in Dallas. Um, week after that, they play on Thursday Night Football, actually, against the Patriots, who are another one of these wishy-washy teams that I don't even know if they're good or not. It's in Atlanta, and that game, that's going to be a weird game. Um, I don't know, really know what to think. But then after that, they play the Jaguars, which is a game you have to win. Uh, it's in Jacksonville. You have to beat them. You have to. Uh, they just beat the Bills, actually, which is just so bizarre. But, yeah, you're going to have to beat them. Then you play the Bucks at home. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say. Maybe you could pull one out. I mean, you played. they played pretty well at times against Tampa Bay earlier this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what to think of that game. Really. I, I don't really know what to think about any of these games. Because they play the Panthers, the 49ers, the Lions. They have to beat the Lions. Then the Bills and the Saints. It's kind of a weird schedule. Um, I don't know what to think because they're playing against a, like a like a few middling teams, and I just don't know if they're very good. Like the 49ers or even the Saints again, the Panthers, the the Patriots, like all these teams. I just can't get a good read on of if they're actually like legit playoff contenders or if they're just you know middling teams that are lucky to have a 500-ish record. Um, even the Bills. I mean, I think the Bills are good, but they just lost to the Jaguars, man. Like the Falcons play a bunch of weird teams, so. It's going to be interesting to see how this team plays off and if the Falcons can kind of stay in the hunt, you know, think they're head above water getting in late into the season. You know, there's an extra playoff spot over these past two years, an extra wild card spot. You know, they could definitely be in the play for it. Like, they, this is a big win. They're in the hunt right now for sure. They're definitely in the hunt for a playoff spot, which is not something I would expect to say like a few weeks ago of how bad this team looked at times. So, yep, that's uh, pretty much all I got on the Falcons this week. Big win. Um, anytime you beat the Saints, especially on the road, uh, beat the Saints in general, it's a big deal. Biggest rivals, um, all that stuff. So, yeah. Moving on now. Move on to the Atlanta Hawks, and they had a bad week. Um, they did win their first game of the week. They played four games. Uh, they beat the Wizards on Monday. And even that game, um, they kind of let the Wizards back in when they kind of had them on the ropes and, you know, were kind of beating them pretty handily. Um, but the, they did let the Wizards back in pretty late into this game, um, even though the Hawks had solid leads at times and you know, led by double digits, the Wizards just kind of crept their way back in and kept things at least interesting, but the Hawks still pulled it out 118 to 111. Trey Young had 26 points, um, Capella 10 rebounds, Trey Young also had 6 assists, 
John Collins with 12 points, 16 points for Capella. Bogey with 16 points on 4 of 6 from 3, which is really solid. Cam Reddish was solid in this game as well. So, yeah, that that's um that was their win, and it wasn't the, definitely the focus of the week because they had some pretty tough losses, um, especially the one on Saturday night against the Phoenix Suns. So, move on to game two of the week was against the Brooklyn Nets, and really the only thing you can really say about this game is that uh, the defense was not um, competitive enough to keep them to to give them a chance to win really, and part of that is that the Falcons or not the Falcons the Hawks weren't weren't great on defense in this game, um, and the other part of it is that they're playing the Nets and the Nets are really good and um, they have Kevin Durant they have James Harden they had Joe Harris in this game who went kind of crazy um, six of eight from three for eighteen points um, he was very good uh, the yeah, the main problem in this game was the the Nets shot 45.8% from three. And you're not going to win many games when a team shoots 46% from three. Um, not at all. 22 of 48 from three. They were just constantly losing guys. They were constantly losing Joe Harris. Uh, Patty Mills had four threes. James Harden went five for 11. Um, even like LaMarcus Aldridge and... And uh, Blake Griffin were getting in all the action with the three pointers, and like you're just not going to beat this Nets team if you keep losing guys and letting them um, hit wide open threes. That's just not an effective way to win. Um, but offensively, though, they were actually pretty solid, especially DeAndre Hunter, who went ten from for eleven from the from the floor and six of six from three for twenty six points. So he was um, elite in this game. I'd say um, pretty much perfect offensively. Um, and you know DeAndre is always going to be a very good defender as well. So, yeah, really good game from DeAndre Hunter. And I mean, the offense was not the problem in this game. The Hawks pretty much did enough offensively, but the defense just didn't do nearly enough. And um, like Trey had 21 and 10 assists. Um, Collins had 13. Capella had 13. Bogey only had eight. But like I mean, everyone was kind of doing their own thing. And usually when the offense is, I mean, I'm not gonna say they were like like just outstanding. But they were solid enough to, I think, to have a chance to win this game if their de if the defense did anything really, and that's just uh, just kind of the overall takeaway from this game. Um, now we'll move on to Thursday's game against the Jazz, and this one um, this was the one that the Hawks were in heading into the fourth quarter, and things just fell apart in the fourth. Um, they got outscored forty one to twenty four in the fourth quarter in this game. Uh, Jordan Clarkson kind of had a crazy game. Um, he had 30 points in this one. He was just kind of out, like just out of his mind for a, um, a good part of it off the bench for the Jazz. Um, and then offensively, no one was great in this game. I mean, Trey had 21 points, but 8 of 20, 0 for 4 from 3 wasn't outstanding. I mean, Capella had a good game for his standards. Um, DeAndre Hunter was solid again, but not uh, nearly as out of his mind as he was the game before. But yeah, I mean, the Hawks were in this game, but 41 to 24 in the fourth quarter, you were just never, ever going to have a lot of success doing that. Um, and yeah, that, that's really all you can really say about it. It's just the fourth quarter collapse. And um, yeah, they had another one of those the very next game against the Suns, and one, and one in which the Hawks had an outstanding third quarter, outscoring the Suns 40 to 27. But getting outscored 35 to 19 in the fourth to fall apart and lose in Phoenix. Um, the Suns are a good team. I mean, they were in the finals last year, but this is still like 
pretty unacceptable stuff. Um, I mean, Trey had a very nice game. 31 points, 10 of 23 from the field, uh, 4 of 9 from 3, and 13 assists. Like, Trey definitely did his thing. Bogey had a pretty solid game, too. And um, it was just kind of a defensive meltdown at the end, and that's just kind of been the story. Um, Devin Booker went off for 38 points. Um, Chris Paul had 16 and uh, 13 assists, but it was mainly the D-Book show as he went 14 of 21 from field goals and 5 of 9 from 3. Um, and Frank Kaminsky also had, like, a very good game off the bench for them, too, which is just very unfortunate. Um yeah, very unfortunate that Frank Kaminsky cooks you like he did. Seven of ten from the field, two of three from three, and sixteen points. He was he was pretty good for the Suns. But yeah, I mean the fourth quarter, looking at the box score, I mean it just kind of tells you the whole story. Just like the game against the Jazz. I mean thirty five to nineteen in the fourth is really bad. I mean they got outscored by what seventeen in the fourth against the Jazz and sixteen here. I mean they outscored them by thirteen in the third quarter. They just fall apart at the end. Um. So, yeah, tough week for the Hawks. Um, you know, not very enjoyable to talk about what happened, but um, they have a chance to bounce back this week. But the schedule is very – I'm not going to say pretty difficult. It's very difficult. Uh, they play tonight against the Warriors in Golden State, the 8-1 and Warriors. So that's going to be tough. Then they're on the road to face the Jazz, who just beat them and kind of just blew them out in the fourth quarter. And then they play the Nuggets, who are definitely a solid team on the road in Denver. And then to wrap things up next Sunday, it's against the Bucks, who they're four and six themselves, which I guess they're underperforming. I've been keeping up with the Bucks too much, but they just won the finals. They're a good team, and they're going to like play tough. So I mean, they got four games this week, and they were all against like playoff caliber teams, and it's going to be tough, especially when you're kind of on a little skid like they are. It's hard to kind of get right when you're facing, you know, the eight and one Warriors who have just been playing out of their minds, and Steph Curry's been incredible. So yeah, it's um. It's going to be an interesting week to see how they respond and bounce back. Um, but, yeah, a tough week, tough week overall for the Hawks. So we'll move on, stop talking about that, and we'll talk about some college football, actually. Um, what I'm going to do, talking like how I'm going to deal with college football, is I'm just going to kind of just not focus in on Georgia's, the Georgia teams. Like, I'll definitely talk about them and mention them, but I'm really just going to kind of give an overall, um, just like overall college football landscape, talk of how things are overall and the main the main college football playoff picture because that's just way more interesting than talking about Georgia and Georgia Tech because they essentially do the same things every week um I'll start with Georgia Tech now uh, they lost in pretty embarrassing fashion to Miami um absolutely humiliating last drive of the game um when they had a chance to go and tie the game with a field goal but um yeah, like, it, like I'm not gonna get deep deep dive into this one, but Georgia Tech just sucks. They're three and six. Miami, you know, their head coach is like on the hot seat, and like I mean, yeah, they should have won this game probably, and they didn't. Um, a lot of dumb plays within on the last drive. The Jeff Sims um, kneeing the ball on accident when he we had the big gain, and then the holding, and yeah, all that was just really bad. So we'll move on, and we will talk about the kind of just the overall landscape of college football playoff right now. And uh, we'll just go by like by the rankings and just kind of go through like one through five or six or whatever. Uh, Georgia blew out Missouri. No surprises there. 43 to six. Um, they just really dominated Missouri. And there's really not much to say about it. Um, so we'll, we'll move on to Alabama now, who played a very good game against LSU. Uh, they're number two team in the country. 
Uh, that was a kind of a big topic of conversation that they were all the way number two in the first college football playoff rankings, despite them having a loss. Uh, but they snuck one out against LSU. Um, LSU had the ball um, with a chance to go down and win the game. They weren't able to do it. But Alabama was 29-point favorites in this game, and they won by six. So not an impressive showing at all from Alabama, and especially from a team that was kind of – got some criticism for being ranked as high as they were, and they had a chance to just kind of remind everybody, hey, we're Alabama. We deserve to be at least the number two team in the country. And they kind of – I mean, they won the game, but they kind of laid an egg. And, I mean, LSU is not very good. And um, – yeah, really not much else to say about it. That like this is a game they should have won by probably thirty plus, and they didn't. Uh, so yeah, we'll move on now to number three, and this was the big upset of the week. Uh, kind of Purdue's yearly upset of the undefeated Big Ten team. Uh, it's usually Ohio State, but this this year it was Michigan State. I didn't get to watch any of this game. Um, I didn't like I didn't I didn't find out that Purdue even won until like I I saw people talking about Michigan State, and I was like, oh, what happened? Um, Purdue beat them, um, and they beat them pretty soundly, 40 to 29. Um, Michigan State was undefeated; they're the number three team in the country, and now, I mean, they are in hot water. They have to win out and maybe need help to get in. Actually, I think if they win out, and win the Big Ten, they probably get in. But yeah, not an ideal, not an ideal um, game at all for them. Obviously, um, Oregon's number four in the country; they beat Washington 26 to 16. So I'm expecting them to probably move to number three. Because um, they didn't really impress a ton against Washington. I mean, they were well, they're only seven point favorites on the road. And they covered, but you know, like when you're that kind of when you're when you're in the when you're in the playoff talks, you kind of need style points to kind of just assert yourself over their teams. And you know, only winning by ten against Washington just isn't going to move the needle that much for a ton of people. So uh, we'll move on to the number five team and Ohio State, and they really didn't move the needle a ton either they beat nebraska 26 to 17 nebraska is was three and six going in this game ohio state was 14 point favorites and yeah it was um not not very impressive at all from ohio state and then you move down to cincinnati who's number six and they're fighting for their lives right now and they only beat tulsa 28 to 20 and they are three and six themselves and cincinnati was let's see cincinnati was 22 and a half point favorites and they only one by eight. So no one really impressed except for, I guess, Georgia. I mean, they're the only one that really asserted their dominance this week um, in the playoff picture. Um, other notable games, Wake Forest is unbeaten no more. North Carolina knocked them off in a shootout, 58-55. to 55. Uh, So Wake Forest is done, and the ACC is done. No ACC team is going to be in the college football playoff this year for sure now. Um, let's see, Michigan, they... Where did Michigan go? Oh, they beat they beat Indiana. Um, they're still a one loss team. They're still definitely alive if they can take. If they kind of control their own destiny in a sense, I guess. But that means they have to beat Ohio State, which is something that just doesn't happen for them. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much about it for the playoff picture. Um, I don't like my prediction for what the um, standings are going to look like. I, like Georgia's going to be number one. I'm guessing Alabama stays at number two, just from uh, like default because no one else really did anything. I can't imagine they'd put Oregon over Alabama because um, Oregon only beat Washington by 10. So I'm expecting probably to be, you know, everybody just moves up a spot, I guess. Um, Georgia, Alabama, then Oregon, Ohio State, and Cincinnati number five. And then Michigan number six probably. 
But there could be a discrepancy there because Michigan State did beat Michigan. So they might just put Michigan State number six or and keep Michigan number seven. But I'm, I, I doubt that. I think Michigan State's going to kind of free fall a bit here and go to like eight through nine-ish like range, something like that. So I'm just expecting everybody pretty much move up a spot to take care um, of Michigan State spot. And I, I guess that, I guess that's good for a, a team like Cincinnati. You know, they didn't impress against Tulsa. Like, it looks like they're probably just going to get to move up a spot unless they, like, want to throw in Michigan ahead of them, which if they did that, then that's just kind of like the nail in the coffin for Cincinnati. But, um, yeah, I'm rooting for Cincinnati to get in. I don't think they are. I don't think the committee wants them in at all. Uh, their last three games, um, they play South Florida, who is terrible. They're 2-7. and seven. Then they play SMU, who is pretty good. They're 7-2. and two. That's their last, like, competitive game of the regular season. And they play Eastern Carolina, who is five and four. Then they'll have the AAC Championship, who right now it is looking like um, it's going to be them and Houston in the title game, um, which they didn't play in the regular season. Houston did lose one game this year, though. They lost to Texas Tech um, in their kickoff game, and they've won out the rest of the way. So uh, good for Houston. Um, they'll have a chance to play spoiler for Cincinnati in that uh, conference title game if things hold up the way that they are. But, um, yeah, I'm personally rooting for Cincinnati to get in. Um, I think it'll just kind of be, like, refreshing to see a group of five team in the playoff, but I don't think it's going to happen because I just don't think the committee wants them to be in. And on top of it, they're, they're barely beating these bad teams, which, like, the past few weeks, um, you know, they just won 20-20 over Tulsa. They beat Tulane 31-12, to but um, they were only up by two points at halftime. And Tulane is like terrible, terrible. They're one and seven um, at the time when they beat them. They barely beat Navy, and Navy is bad. Um, so yeah, like three weeks in a row, and they're just kind of unimpressive. Before then, they were really putting it on teams. Like they blew out UCF, who's solid. They destroyed Temple. They beat Notre Dame by eleven points on the road. They beat Indiana. Like, like you know, they've kind of they've been teetering the past few weeks, and I'm just hoping that the upset doesn't come, but. You know, SMU in a couple weeks, and then you have um, a potential game against Houston in the AAC championship. Um, things could get pretty pretty hairy for Cincinnati, and they got to win out, and they need style points. Like I said, uh, I was talking about Oregon earlier. They need style points. They need to blow these teams out, and uh, they just haven't been doing that. So I'm rooting for them, so hopefully they can um, yeah, just start hammering teams and they're going to need a little bit of help. Some more teams are going to need to lose. Like, they're going to need Oregon to probably lose again. Um, who else? If Alabama lost again in the regular season at least, they're done, I'd imagine. Um, and then you have Ohio State if they could get upset, which is possible because uh, they didn't look, like, unbeatable against Nebraska this week either. Um, look ahead to the games next week, see if there's any big ones. Um, Ohio State plays Purdue, um, and Purdue is just uh, their upset teams left and right. Um, let's see, Oregon plays Washington State. They should take care of business there. Um, Alabama plays New Mexico State. So that should be that should be a blowout. And then Georgia plays Tennessee. They'll, they'll probably destroy Tennessee. Um, so, yeah, nothing like, nothing crazy, um, crazy games for the top teams next week at all. There are still some good games like Texas A&M Ole Miss play next week. Um, in the Big Ten, it's uh, Minnesota-Iowa. Those are two ranked matchups. NC State-Wake Forest, that could have implications on the ACC title game. So, yeah, those are the interesting games for next week. Cincinnati actually plays on Friday night against South Florida, so they'll be on ESPN2 Friday night. 
And uh, yeah, we'll see how they do. They need to destroy South Florida by like 40 points. I mean, that's what they really need to do next week. So yeah, that'll wrap up the college football talk and uh, that'll wrap up the entire show really. Um, if you made it this far, I appreciate you. Um, if you made it this far listening. Um, yeah, so more come back next week, uh, more Falcons and Hawks talk. Um, hopefully there's going to be some Braves talk, and uh, all I mean by that is that hopefully Freddie Freeman signs here pretty soon, so hopefully I can get on and talk about that. Uh, more college football talk next week too, all the way up until you know the playoff and all the bowl games and stuff like that. So, yeah, a lot to come in the, in the next uh, few weeks, so make sure you stay tuned. Um, I appreciate you listening, and I will see you in the next one. Thank you.